Open Field Radio. Like, subscribe, share, and review wherever podcasts are found. If I had to describe this, I'd say it's cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Because ag and life live side by side and sometimes overlap. I'm your host, Mark Flint, and this is Open Field Radio. Brought to you by Gowan Company. Don Ed Holmes, Westlaco, Texas. The Onion House, the Onion King of Texas. Deals on a handshake, long day and short day onions, what's old is new again, and Texas. We talk it all right now. I don't know whether it's easier to start here and work back or whether it might be easier to start uh, at the front and work uh, I'm following work you. Forward. I'm following you. Okay. Uh, well, we uh, I grew up at, in Floydata, Texas, which is a town of about 4,500 people in West Texas, up close to Lubbock, mm-hmm. uh, close to Plainview in the panhandle of Texas. And my dad was... Uh, my dad actually started, I was born in 1954, and my dad started growing onions in, in 1955. He and a, and a lady that was kind of ahead of her time by the name of Barbara Bernard uh, formed a, a partnership in a little town west of Floydata, actually called Barwise, Texas. And the name of their their little <laughs> company was Barwise Onion Growers. There you and go. And they had, uh, they put... Put together about 250 acres of onions, and they got a, a well-known company that's, that's no longer around by the name of Griffin and Brand, uh, who had a, had a sales office in Hereford, Texas. They got Griffin and Brand to do the sales for them. And the first year they got into it, I guess, was the, was the selling year of 1956. And evidently, 1956, they had one of the best onion markets that uh, they had ever I mean, they just, nobody remembered having an onion market that good. <laughs> My dad handy. said, of course, that was just their luck to be <laughs> right. in that deal. And right. When they went up and got their settlement and the, the guys at Griffin and Brand gave them their money, they they were both like, well, how long has this been around? You know, we've, we did, <laughs> we've been growing cotton and whatnot. Sure. We, just, we didn't know this was happening here, but how many acres of onions can we plant next year? And, uh, and the same thing repeats itself every year. So 1957, the crop, uh, the crop was 75 cents. I think in 56, it'd been six and a half, seven dollars. And then oh in 1957, it was 75 cents. Oops. <laughs> and my dad said he remembered calling up there and asking uh, the guy, Griffin and Brand, the head guy, he said, well, just how cheap can this onion market get? And Jack Griffin told him a dime very quickly, he said 10 cents. Ooh. And my dad said, that's kind of a strange number. So where, where'd you come up with 10 cents? And the guy said, well, that's what my commission is. And he said, well, it <laughs> won't get any cheaper than that. <laughs> yeah, it's not going lower than that for my dad sure. Said, he, he, was, he was almost relieved to know that there was a bottom on it, I guess. But anyway, they, they, they switched after another year or so and went with a company out of Michigan uh, called DeBryan Produce. Uh, and sold their crop up. I came on the scene in the first grade in about 1961, and uh, my job was picking up. Back then, we we you dumped onions out of burlap bags into a grater, and uh, I picked up the empty burlap bags and threw them back in a cotton trailer to go back to the field where the, the people could fill them back up. So that was my first job. There you go. After a couple of years of that, I graduated. 
to uh, these our onions came off in the summer, so I graduated to uh, turning the second wheel, and then uh, from there to actually grading onions, and then a couple of years, 1967, in the seventh grade, I started driving a forklift, and then uh, pretty well went all through high school. One summer I was I worked on the farm irrigating, but the rest of the time it was always either running the packing line or running the grading. All of my school friends, uh, West West Whittle, Kid Manning included, uh, did their turns of uh, of working loading onions. Back in those days, we you put you put a pallet up in the truck, a pallet full of onions on a pallet jack, and rolled it to the front of the truck, and then unloaded the pallet onto the floor of the truck. Okay, and then repeated the process until the truck was loaded. So it, sure. was, it was a lot of work. The the football coach loved it because when I bet he did. You know, we go they go in in the fall to to start spring or to start fall football practice, and they hit you, knock you into week after next. So yeah, they put loading onions all summer. They're pretty tough group. That's a bunch. When I got out of when I got out of college, I went to Texas Tech, and when I got out of college, I. I thought, well, I, I uh, had seen one too many hailstorms growing up, and I knew I didn't really want to get in the farming end of it. I wanted to get in something that was a little a little more stable. So I actually went to work for the company that did my dad's marketing. Huh. Uh, they were a, a nationwide onion company, uh, DeBrine Produce, based out of Zeeland, Michigan. They've They've since dissolved also. Uh, family just didn't didn't want to stay in it, and they they never sold, so it it just kind of dissolved. But uh, I worked for them for 20 years, uh, doing sales, hiring trucks, uh, worked my way up to manager of their division here in Westlaco, Texas. And um, in 1996, they were kind of starting to think about getting out of the business. I went in partnership with some growers that we had out of Colorado. And um, a banker that I'd, I'd come to know here, and were financed, and we started the, started the Onion House, and uh, so we actually started. I think we were incorporated in July of, or I was incorporated in July of '99, and the Colorado Growers and I split the sheets in 2005. Since 2005, my wife and I have owned it 100 percent. So, and we're fairly, it's a nice size company. We're not a big company, but we sell, we're, we're probably one of the larger onion shippers in the state of Texas, if not the largest shipper. We, we ship out of Mexico, out of Utah, out of Colorado, and um, we're in the business about 11 months out of the year. So, it, and it's only onions, and it's, it, it's, a, it's a lot of onions. So, it, <laughs> it, it keeps, keeps you busy. You come by it, it honestly, though, busy. yes? You come by it honestly. Right, yeah, I know. I've, I've, you know, back about, I guess I'd been here in the Valley. Oh, I got down here in 77. It probably would have been around 80, 81 about all of that urban cowboy time. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought, boy, I, there's surely something I can do that doesn't have onions involved in it. And I came really close to going to work for a, a new company called Colwell Banker out of Houston <laughs> in the real guys. estate business. <laughs> yeah, those guys, they were kind of, a, it was just getting started. And I came real close to doing that. And I decided, well, no, I better stay with what I know. So I, I stayed here, 
and roughed it out, and, and I'm glad I did. It's it's since uh, turned into a really, uh, you know, it, 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 it's been it's been very rewarding. I've raised three kids and put them through college, and you know we're we're comfortable, so it's it's worked out really well for me. You're listening to Open Field Radio. Do you want excellent disease control, proven control from two modes of action, easy to use liquid formulation, and rain fast protection? Then check out Zing Fungicide. Zing is a broad spectrum protecting fungicide with activity against key pathogens, including downy mildew, late blight, leaf blight, leaf spot, early blight, black dot, vine rot, and more. Better disease control and crop safety means higher yields, less spoilage and storage, and low pathogen carryover. Zing is an excellent addition to integrated pest management programs, has multiple site and multiple modes of action, helps prolong your fungicide rotation program, saves time, easier mixing, and handling. All that, and it's rain fast. Zing fungicide. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. So here's something fun. We hope you're enjoying Open Field Radio, and to continue that experience, we've added something really cool at openfieldradio.com. For each new episode, we now have playlists. That's right, music playlists that kind of highlight the spirit, the mood, and the thought of the episode. So click on there, check out the music, enjoy it, and hopefully it just helps you continue that experience that you know you love. We're looking out for you, because that's what friends do at openfieldradio.com. Open Field Radio. I did some digging around, of course, asked some folks and do the things we're supposed to do as we get ready for this, and the phrase that keeps coming up when your name comes up, they call you the Onion King of Texas. Where'd that come from? <laughs> well, I guess just from uh, from being in it long enough that you know you just you just maybe that's that's uh, association. I would say <laughs> if you're around something long enough, I guess you finally become the <laughs> kind of the guy that outlasted everybody else. <laughs> I remember when I first got in the business, there was nothing but a bunch of old men, and I thought to myself here the other day. Now all of a sudden, Oops. I'm one of the old men looking <laughs> Look back out. at these young kids. Look out. Well, it's a great title. <laughs> Well, that, uh, that'll work, I guess. Yeah, sometimes I don't feel quite like the Onion King, but uh, <laughs> sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Well, it's a, it's a cool title. And, and in Texas, I mean, it's a, it fits. Oh, my goodness, it fits. <laughs> okay. Uh, tell me where you're located. You said Westlaco. We're in Westlaco, Texas, which is the Rio Grande Valley. It's 250 miles straight south of San Antonio, right on the Mexico border. I don't know about you, but the whole thing sounds like a Marty Robbins song. Just the way it is. The whole thing screams Texas and Cowboys and the whole thing right down to the border. But what's cool is the Rio Grande Valley or the RGV or the Valley, as the locals call it. That sounds so cool. Like I'm local. Is known for warm weather, exotic birds, citrus, and, of course, onions. The warm weather attracts retirees and travelers getting away from the winter in the northern part of the United States and Canada. Um, usually when people, the, the airports you fly into are McAllen or Harlingen or Brownsville is probably the biggest town. Uh, South Padre Island is probably the most noteworthy town. But West, Westlaco is kind of the geographic center of the Rio Grande Valley. It's, uh, this area is known for cotton, uh, corn and citrus and uh, has been a, a really big onion growing area also in that we've got a subtropical climate here and we can have the first onions actually grow on day length, which is kind of weird. But uh, <laughs> we have short day onions here okay. and uh, short day onions, onions that are grown during the winter that come off in the spring 
are characterized by having very thick rings and they carry a lot of water and the water actually almost works to dilute the pungency of the onion. Uh, it also affects the holding quality in that short day onions don't store well. They don't keep all that well. They've got a lifespan. Once you cut the top off of it, you better have it eaten in about 30 days or, or you're not very quickly thereafter. You're not going to have anything to eat. Uh, as opposed to long day onions, which are grown north of oh, latitude, say about Amarillo to Los Angeles, anything north of that, uh, or really probably Amarillo to Sac Sacramento, anything north of that's a long day onion. Those onions are characterized by very thin rings, a lot of rings, very little water, very strong pungency. But because there's not a lot of water in them and a lot of solid, those onions store well. Those onions don't come off. They're, they grow during the summer, the long days. It's when they grow during the long days. And they're harvested and put in storages in the winter in big rooms. And with the really good storing qualities that they have, those onions then are sold September through March. Um, our onions here in South Texas... We plant them in September. They're grown through the winter, the short days, and okay. those onions are harvested late March, April, and May. Well, to extend our season, we, we got pretty good at going to Mexico, about 300 miles south of us here down at Tampico. And uh, we, we work with growers down there to sell their crop. Those guys can start on onions about the middle of January. They finish that crop down there about the 1st of April, and that's about when our crop here starts. So we can start down there in January and then have short-day sweet onions uh, between Tampico, Mexico, then Westlaco, Texas. And then we move back down to the mountains of Mexico over in the, in the state of Chihuahua. And we have those onions that are grown at altitude down there, but they they come off in April and May and uh, June. So we've got short day onions through June. We actually skip July and part of August, and then our Western Colorado deal starts in in uh, mid to later August and runs all the way through. It can go as long as February this year. We normally try to finish that deal sometime in January. That's when we start back out of Mexico, and we have a, a sister deal or a, a kind of a another deal that runs with that out of Corinne, Utah, which is northwest of Salt Lake. It's actually straight west of uh, Brigham City, Utah. Okay, and uh, that deal also would go. They go into storage in September, and uh, they run into into February. We're just finishing them up. Even though we've already started Mexico here in South Texas, we're still finishing those Western onions out of Corinne. We'll finish next week. And uh, that's all sold by the Onion House group here at uh, uh, corporate headquarters in Westlaco, Texas. You mentioned the ones in Chihuahua being grown at altitude. Is that correct? And does that make a difference? Yes. Well, uh, it gets hotter down there, so... As it gets hotter in April and May in Mexico, you have to go to higher altitudes so that it doesn't get too hot. Onions like hot weather, but they don't like anything over about, oh, they don't like anything over 100 in the daytime and probably 80 at night. 
otherwise, if the ground temperature gets up over, say, 85, 90, all of a sudden when the onion starts to get mature, with that ground temperature, that warm 24 hours a day, you get a cooking effect. Oh, wow. On the, yeah, on these short-day onions, if you want a really short life, you take an onion that's already been uh, partially pre-cooked in the soil and and you really got a short fuse. As the ground heats up at the lower altitudes down here, you have to move to higher altitudes so that your ground temperature is cooler uh, to assure you the kind of quality that you need uh, to bring the onions into Westlaco here and then turn around and ship them out of here. And our target market is probably a box from uh, here to San Antonio to Minneapolis to Boston, to Miami, and back to Westlaco here. It's it's kind of an eastern, central, and east coast uh, is our target market. Okay. And then we found over the years that our uh, the people we really do the best with are usually the people that talk like us and <laughs> the people from the south. So. <laughs> do you go west at all? Very seldom. Um, of course, that's going into the mouth of the tiger. Usually those those people out there are our competitors. Okay, okay. And uh, sometimes they do a business a little different than we do, but we're, we've, uh, maybe it's just like you, you were talking about the Onion King. Maybe it's yeah, just being it. around these southern boys <laughs> so long. We know say. us, or we know them, and they know us, and, and that just kind of makes it work better. <laughs> if I'm looking for onions, I'm looking for the guy with the king in his name. That sounds like a pretty good bet. Right there you there. go. That, that, that's, uh, I wish everybody thought like you did. I'd probably be able to get a little premium. Oh, great fun. <laughs> well, then answer me this. You've been in this industry and in this business a long time. Is It's got to be evolving like everything else. And at the same time, some of it has to remain the same. We can... Uh, you mechanize anything and do all kinds of everything and labor costs are what they were and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But where do you see the evolution of the industry and what things just can't change because you can't do it any other way? Well, it, it changes, like you're saying, it has changed every year. It When I first got into business in 1976, we still loaded 300 bags on a rail car in Barwise, Texas sent them to Cincinnati and we'd, we'd sell them along the way out of the rail cars. So when the rail cars got to Cincinnati, we could divert it back to Birmingham. We could divert it to Atlanta. We could go to Columbia, South Carolina. We could go to Norfolk. We could go to Philly, Detroit, Chicago. Everything went to Cincinnati and then was sold. Then the telephone, we started using the telephone more. And as we got into the telephone, uh, things started going direct to the people. We put together four drop loads, five drop loads, okay. six drop loads. Had some guys over in Louisiana who put seven drops together and uh, that there was enough trucks around to haul it. And then as we started moving into the 90s, there was a consolidation in the business and the, the big ones started eating the little ones. And <laughs> now there's not near as many people around. So all of that kind of changed. Uh, and now what I see happening is back then people knew your kids were in college. They knew your daughter had braces. They knew, right. well, and that was a first big jump was into the fax machines before faxes. Everything was, was, was talked about on the phone. On the and phone it was yeah. All of the, the orders all came in over the phones. And then after the loads were loaded, the orders all went back on the phone. 
Well, now the orders came in on the phone, but they actually went back on a piece of paper. <laughs> uh, and now, here about five years ago, I had the first load that we actually, uh, I talked to the guy via email. I didn't get to tell him how pretty the onions were or how long they'd keep or why he should buy mine or why he should buy. I just told him what they cost. He knew who I was. He sent me an order back on email. I loaded the load. I sent him an email back giving him the truck name and when the truck would be there. Mm-hmm. And we mailed him an invoice and he sent me a check. I never <laughs> talked to the guy. I don't, right. You know, I don't know if his daughter had her braces taken off or whether she still, you know. Yeah. So we've lost some of the personal contact. And to me, that's uh, that's that's sad because, you know, we went from knowing these people so well to now we don't know them like we did. And it's good and bad. I mean, you can, you can do a lot of things a lot quicker with a computer, but you lose a lot of the personal aspects. You, you miss sure. some of that. And I think the receivers nowadays, these younger, the younger crowd coming in are really good at turning a computer on. I, I told some of the guys in my office the other day, I said, I'm going to have to get somebody. I, I, I don't check my email long enough. I, I didn't know I was sold out until I started looking through all these emails. <laughs> I was sold out, but I wasn't sold out now. I sold out about an hour after I came in the office. Right. Well, <laughs> You know, I'd sold a lot more than what I'd realized. So that it it brings up all, you know, for us slow movers, uh, when it comes to computer skills, it it brings a whole new set of challenges. Some of these new guys I hire, they don't know how to sell. uh, And I guess my problem is I know how to sell, but I don't know how to. I, I, some of them, I don't know how to sell to these guys that don't care about being sold. All they want to do is is uh, send a, a piece of paper back right. and forth that, and consummate a, a deal that's made very impersonally on a piece of paper. Right. And uh, I think I think down the road we're going to miss that. But it's just the evolution of business. That's that's how it's uh, that's the way it's going. Yeah, and as you said, it's it's if you will, old skills and new skills, you know, meeting in the middle somewhere, because what you're missing, and I hear it in your voice, is that, is that connectivity. And if you will, you know, you think back on it, and if you will, the, uh, the interpersonal, the romance of it all, if that's the right way to go with it. But it is in right. some ways. Mm-hmm. And, you know, knowing who you're going to send the Christmas card to and tell them thank you because you know the guy. And, of course, right. the new skills coming in, which may be in some ways more efficient, and um, uh, streamline and all those kind of things are equally as important. But I think you're in a very unique spot there because of just the way you've chosen to run business and do business. That's fantastic. Well, and this business was the last business that uh, here in the United States, if you think about selling uh, a million to two million bags of onions to 400 people uh, at $10, and all of this is done on not even a handshake, just a, hi, Joe, are you ready for a load of onions? Yeah, Don Ed, have a load of jumbos here Thursday. Mm-hmm. And that transaction was just made. It may have been a 10000 to $15,000 transaction. He didn't send me any money. He didn't, <laughs> right. I didn't check any, 
you know, I know who the guy is. I look at his rating in the blue book and I know he's good for, for what he says, but you know, it, can you believe something, those kinds of numbers all done on a handshake? Right. It's something I don't think we'll ever see again. Uh, and this is one of the last industries that that kind of business is negotiated over just a telephone. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And it is, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's a disappearing era, I think, in some ways. And in other ways, mm-hmm. there may be pockets of it, like yourself and those kind of things, where uh, these kind of things maybe some way, somehow will hold true. Has the industry evolved in the field? Yes. Oh, big time. You know, take, uh, I know you work with Gowan out there, but, mm-hmm. and we love to, uh, we love to get their reps come in here and complain about how expensive their seed is and how much <laughs> they raised it this year. But if, if you go back 40, 43 years when I first got down here, and if we made, uh, 350, 300, 350 bags an acre, we really thought we were hitting a home run. Okay. 350 bags an acre. Back then, the Rio Grande Valley sold 20 plus thousand acres of onions at 300 bags to the acre. Uh, wow. Nowadays, if we don't make 800 bags to the acre, we think we're just, we something's wrong. And we kind of, <laughs> we, we plan for 1,000 bags to the acre. Really? And the acreage here in the Rio Grande Valley has dropped from 20,000 acres in 1976 to 4,500 acres in 2021. Oh, my gosh. So, but a lot of that is it's technology. We've got... Y'all's company is is right uh, right in the middle of all of this. They've got breeders now that go in. That we grow onions down here, unlike California, there in the Central Valley, where those people, it's always eighty degrees in the daytime. It's always sixty five at night. There's right. always twenty percent humidity, and it never rains. But we've got an onion, which is a desert plant, and and that onion loves that weather out there. It sure. never gets rain from the top. It always gets its water from the bottom. Uh, onions being a desert plant, they're susceptible to diseases like downy mildew and, and other things that have to do with leaf wetness, fog, you know, just, just water from the top. And here we are in the Rio Grande Valley. It's foggy every morning. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, overcast. It rains too much and, uh, the soils aren't, don't drain as well. And, you know, we've got all of these obstacles that we have to fight. Well, they went in and, and they, these new these new onions that have been out over the last four or five years, the top on them is is engineered to where that top doesn't get sick. It, it it's nothing strange. I mean, it's nothing, but it's just selective breeding that they've gone in and in and they've got these tops to where they'll they'll handle anything that gets thrown at them. Sure. Uh, so they don't get sick. So your onions always mature and they always mature. They don't get sick and die about halfway through the cycle. They go all the way through and, you know, the quality is good. They handle well. They don't bruise as easily as they used to. I mean, all of this stuff has been, has been bred into these onions. Now the price on a pound of onion seed when I got down here in the seventies was 25 to $30 a pound. And that's now four hundred dollars a pound. So everything has everything is well from three to four hundred. So everything has moved up, but it, it's all kind of relative. <laughs> the price of seed's gone up, but so has the value of the seed uh, to us as growers. I mean, it 
we, we grow a lot less acres. It's expensive to grow a crop of onions. So it makes sense to grow one acre and have a thousand bags versus growing one acre and having 350 bags. So, so the, the technology that's gone into it, we, we wouldn't have survived without, uh, without the seed companies, uh, uh, building a, as my economics teacher used to say, they built a better mousetrap, and that's why they're in business, and that's why we're in business. Open Field Radio. Like, share, subscribe. More of Open Field Radio after this. Reason 500SC fungicide is a better fit for vegetable growers. Reason demonstrates consistent, reliable disease control, kills pathogens at multi-stages in their life cycles, demonstrates a direct spore-killing effect that quickly stops spores before they can infect the leaf, penetrates leaf tissue with translaminar movement to protect both sides of the leaf, and moves within the plant to protect new growth. Reason 500SC is fast-acting, strong antisporulant activity, translaminar movement, curative performance, and protects new growth. Outstanding disease control with Reason 500SC fungicide. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Company. Cool people having conversations about agriculture and life. Open Field Radio. And now back to Open Field Radio with our guest, Don Ed Holmes, the Onion King of Texas. Onions are harvested by hand, is that right? Here they are, short-day onions, because they have a tendency to bruise, and if you, you can't really bounce them around, irreplaceable that they bruise. Um, you you have a damaging they damage the cell structure and because there's so much water inside an, a sweet onion a short day onion uh, where that bruise shatters that cell structure uh, you'll have that starts to rot quicker than the rest of the onion so you'll end up with a, a lesion or an imperfection that at some point down the road will show up as a is a sour spot or a a bad spot on the onion, which, you know, will make it unsaleable on, on a retail market. So we have to hand top everything. Uh, the, the long day onions, they can mechanically harvest because that onion doesn't have the water. It's It's got more solids. It doesn't bruise. Uh, you bite into it, it'll blow the back of your head off. But, you know, a lot of people want a, an onion that, that, a lot of people want an onion that tastes like an onion. So, these onions here taste like an onion, but they're 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 a little sweeter. They're milder, and they they uh, they don't hold as well. And you have to take a lot better care of them. You don't you can't bang them around, so they are hand topped, and they top the top and they top the root because we we don't let them sit. The northern onions are not really susceptible to the sun near as bad as these uh, southern onions are. Uh, our sun gets so strong here in the spring. If you let the onions set out too long, you want it to set out long enough to cure, but you can't let it set out too long because its skin is is very similar to human skin. If you let it sit out there too long, it sunburns. And so if it sunburns, you're into the same problem that that you are with with the mechanical damage. It, It creates a problem with the cell structure on the outside of the onion, and that cell structure starts to rot at an accelerated rate. So you got to be careful not to leave them in the sun too long. Talk to me about the the variety. What do you grow? Um, these are all all short day varieties, but uh, we have them different varieties that come off at different times. Uh, we'll we'll have early varieties that will come off like the last week in March. Uh, last two weeks in March, we'll have mid season varieties that come off 
in uh, like early April, first two weeks in April. And then we'll have a later uh, season varieties that come off in uh, like the last two weeks in April and the first week in May. So, and, and we do every color. We've got reds, yellows, and whites. And uh, the fact that the onions are sweet, uh, we can go, we can ship them as regular onions or we put them in a fancy box and uh, put a sticker on it and, uh, and ship them as a sweet onion. So it's, that'll be probably a little more retail trade where the others are probably more Java receiver and uh, food service for just the regular 50-pound bag onions. The retail side of it, anybody can buy your onions? Right. We ship to chain stores. We've got, we had some delivered HEB yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. We go to Associated Grocers in the South and Associated Grocers, several different AGs. And a lot, of, a lot of our onions go to jobbers and receivers that s- sell to small chain stores. Or we've got some intermediate-sized chain stores. And uh, we don't do a lot with uh, with Walmart, but... That's neither here nor there, but uh, but a, a lot of the business that we do, uh, we'll 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 sell to people that are close to the markets. They're food service, but they're also service smaller uh, smaller stores and smaller chains. Some of the bigger chains have gotten so big. It's another one of those deals about you know sometimes the pendulum swings too far. Their their supply chains are somewhat stretched, uh, and they've gotten so big that they kind of make their own rules up. We've got, you know, you and I were talking about uh, all of this stuff done on a handshake. Well, that doesn't mean that it all turns out absolutely perfect. We've got the PACA, which is a division of the U.S. government that was set up as the policing agency for the produce business is set up back in the 30s. Uh, there were some unscrupulous people. I'm sure they were from the north, uh, but uh, <laughs> course, <right. laughs> they were down taking advantage of the, of the farmers, and they set this up to kind of take care of the of the farmers and to settle disputes between the buyers and the sellers. And that that group is still around, and they do a fantastic job. Uh, and they make up the rules, and there are rules that you have to abide by. Uh, well, some of these chains have gotten so big that they say, well, you know, we're we're bigger than that. You either play with us and you play our game or or you don't play at all with us. And we, in several instances, have decided because we don't really grow our own onions, we sell for growers. I have to I have to play. I can be held to the same set of standards by the grower that I have to hold the people I sell to to those same standards. I, I love to use the analogy, you live by the sword and you die by the sword. But then all of a sudden you've got one group saying, well, we don't play with swords. You know, you don't, we, <laughs> all decisions are final and all decisions are ours. <laughs> so uh. at that point, you can either play or not play. And what we've decided is we don't play with that deal because it's, it's, um, uh, to me, that heads they win and tails we lose is not a game I want to get involved in. <laughs> no, no, I totally understand that. You being in the onion business all your life, 
We have the field side of it, which is one thing. The onion house itself, can you describe that? I've looked at it online, but can you describe the operations of what the onion house is? We're a growing and uh, marketing company. Um, we don't grow ourselves, but we do participate with some farmers on growing. Uh, but mainly what we do is we'll, we'll harvest, but we don't harvest everything. Uh, but the main thing we do is sell and ship. Uh, like in Colorado and Utah, we, those, those guys, they, they grow, they pack their own onions and they put them on the floor on a pallet. And they call us and they say, we've got 2000 jumbo yellows and 1000 medium yellows. And we tell them, we'll send the 2000 jumbo yellows to two guys in Florida and send the medium yellows to a guy in Louisiana. And we send those orders out there, we collect, we take our commission, and we remit to the grower. So we actually, we actually work as a sales agent for those growers. And here in South Texas, we do the same thing. We, but here, we pack them ourselves. We've got uh, the machines to well, we harvest onions into our bins with our people. We bring them into the packing shed here, and we run them through a machine to size them and degrade them out as to quality. We'll put them in 50-pound bags. We also pack them into two-pound, three-pound, five-pound Vexar bags and 10-pound drawstring bags and 25-pound bags and all sorts of food service and and retail (laughs) packages. Sure. So, and we do that here in South Texas. Out of Mexico, uh, we bring those onions up. Some of them are already packed. Some of them are bulk. They all come into Westlaco here. We unload the Mexican trucks here because we're right on the border. Uh, we unload the Mexican trucks here, and we go through. We look at the onions, uh, unload them, and then turn around and sell them back out of here. Uh, consolidate them, but we do also repack a lot of those onions here into two pound, three pound, five pound bags. So we've got probably oh, 15 full time employees. We've got probably oh, four, 50 uh, part time, full time employees. And then uh, we've got probably 300 400 seasonal employees so it's uh it's a lot of there's a lot of accounting involved in it a lot of all of these the new laws the regulations the and now we've got food safety on top of that that's a whole new a whole new deal i've Back in the DeBrine years, I remember packing honeydews down in Norop and Mitchell Khan under a tree full of pigeons. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> doesn't happen anymore, does it? No, uh, no, no. It doesn't happen. <laughs> I read a very, a very cool quote from you that said uh, most of the growers, I'd say 80%, are the same guys who we've worked with since the mid 80s. If I look back at what we've done right, it's been to keep our growers. Right. Now, that's exactly right. Customers come and go, but growers is what you start with. And that part of that comes from growing up, and I don't mean to sound like a cliche, but growing up on a farm and driving a tractor and watching all of the work that you put into a a farm or a a field of onions, if you look at all the work that's gone into that, uh, you don't want to just turn around and give that to somebody that's just going to give it away or or let somebody take advantage or 
I mean, you, you're kind of, you, you, you're, these people have put a trust in you and they've, uh, they're hardworking people and they're, you know, they've, they're salt of the earth, just like my dad was. And, right. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let, like I was talking to you about a minute ago, I'm not gonna let a, they win tails I lose guy go make me go back. It's dangerous enough in this business, given the fact that we have undersupply situations and oversupply situations. And the undersupply situations are far outnumbered by the oversupply situations. Right. Uh, right. So, you know, w- when you get a chance to make some money, you better make the farmer all the money you can make him because you want him to be in it next year. Because if he doesn't start with putting that seed in the ground, I don't have a job. So we we, we try to <laughs> we try to tra- take care of the guys that put the seeds in the ground. But that, that's who we represent. Um, I heard a story. <laughs> Here we go with story. Yeah. Right? I heard a story through a, uh, our mutual friend. It t- says you got to ask about the onions that were brought to a high school reunion in Floydata, Texas. Something about a truckload of roasted onions. Is this true? We've only had one high school reunion. I, <laughs> I took some onions up there. Yeah, my wife and I took a trip one time down to. Uh, uh, or no, Manzanillo, Mexico. We were at a steakhouse down there, and a guy. Uh, we, we went out, and, and I, when I walked in there, there was one of the, they, they cooked the onions right in front of you. They cooked the steaks right in front of you on charcoal. And this guy had a medium white onion, and he just took that onion, and put it right on the charcoal, and he let it burn down. Not completely, of course, but he got a real good char on it. And then about the time your steak came out. He brings this charred, raunchy-looking onion out, and they split the top of it, and they squirt what's not burnt uh, out onto your plate. And you cut that up and eat it with your onion. It's the most delicious thing you've ever eaten. That onion caramelized. The sugar in the onion caramelized. And then oh, my gosh. It, it, and, and then you just eat the inside <laughs> of the onion out. But it is absolutely awesome. And that's what they were talking about. Uh, yeah, that's an old trick that everybody got a kick out of. Another one is you take a, a big jumbo onion and cut the cut kind of a cone in the top of it and put a beef bouillon cube down in there and then pack the rest of that cavity with butter and then wrap it all in foil and cook it on your grill just like you would your steak or in the oven uh-huh. for quite a while, like a baked potato and then pull it off and eat it. That's also an excellent way to eat onions. Mm. That one, the, the, the medium onion right on the charcoal, the medium white onion right on the charcoal is really hard to beat. <laughs> I, I still do <laughs> I that. Probably that every, try. I got to give it a try. Yeah, you got to give it a try. If you're a, if you're a grill, uh, if you're a barbecue person, like here in Texas, you walk first and then you barbecue very shortly after that. <laughs> So, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's yeah. No, it, that's, uh, you heard that's that from the, the Onion King of Texas, yeah, right there. That's what you have to do. <laughs> if I if I wanted to taste these for myself, can I go online and just order them? No, we're we. You know, that's something that I've I've tried to get my kids all involved in that because they're the ones that turn the computer over. No, nobody really wants to do that, but <laughs> we're, we're all still wholesale. But at some point, okay. if I ever, at some point I may get into the mail order business. I, I think if I'd have done it 15, 20 years ago, I, I should have, because it, to me, that's, you're talking about the future of the business. 
as these right. supply chains get longer and longer on some of these big uh, consolidation of the retail business in this country, uh, people are going back to the basic. You see uh, lots of little farm produce stores uh, pop up. You know, that store was there in 1955. It was there till about 65, and then it disappeared for the supermarket. Well, now the supermarket stuff looks so old and so tired because it's it's been to hell and back before it finally gets on their shelf. Well, people are starting to go back, just like they're starting to go back to a butcher shop for fresh meat. They're starting to go back right. to these little produce little produce houses for fresh produce. Let me jump in here for a minute and draw your attention to Open Field Radio Episode 4 with Michael Rollman. He's the next Iron Chef judge, but he's also the author of the book Grocery, The Buying and Selling of Food in America. And he talks about this very thing, where supermarkets and grocery stores and where the whole thing collides and what we wind up with and where we're going. If you're interested in this kind of thing, check it out. Open Field Radio Season 1, Episode 4. I've talked to my kids about what's hot, and they're saying, oh, well, I get my groceries and my son lives in Frisco, and they deliver his groceries. Amazon brings his groceries and sets them on his doorstep. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to see more and more of this mail order and 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 things of that nature. It's things that are out of the box for me, but uh, that, right. that that is the evolution of where this thing's going. It's is is it's always a wheel. Seems like whatever whatever was happening back 50 years ago, it, it goes to kind of the opposite, and then all of a sudden it comes back around just like a wheel. And you know what? And I think everybody, especially right now, I think people are longing for authenticity and the things that are real. Mm-hmm. And so a local produce shop or the butcher shop or the simplicity of just going and getting it, I think really resonates right now. What's your what's your favorite thing about onions? I don't know. I walked into a store here and bought onions about five years ago. I, it was sometime, I didn't have onions, and I, the onion market was high when I bought these three onions. And I remember walking in, and that's all I needed. And I bought three onions, and she said that was $1.75 for three onions. And I told her, the little checkout girl, I said, I had 40 acres back in 1986 that didn't bring $1.75 for 40 acres. <laughs> and she looked at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And I had to chuckle as I walked off. You know, I got that really well. And she didn't get it at all. I think my favorite part about the onion deal is that it can be so good and it can be so bad. I, uh, I, I gave a check to a guy one time back in the 80s. He had a about a 60-acre block of onions, I gave him a check for $275,000. And he started crying. I mean, he literally, the tears were running down his eyes. And, uh, and uh, he just, it, it, so it, it's those minutes that you, that you kind of live for. You've been listening to Open Field Radio from Gowan Company. Like, share, subscribe, review. Everywhere podcasts are found. The views and opinions expressed by the guests of Open Field Radio are theirs and do not necessarily reflect those of the program. All rights reserved, no duplication or redistribution without permission.